to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. It's Wednesday, February 7th on the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I'm joined by Matthew Betts and Jason Moore. We're back, baby. Prospect season is here fellas and you know last week we kind of like we kind of got into it but like not really we, we teased but we oh yeah that kyle loves a, a tease in the podcast biz uh but now we get to break down these rookies in detail and was i was laughing when the intro was rolling because uh jason is over here with his black book which mm-hmm. the black book you know every all the secrets of scouting are in there and he is literally just like you know tilted to the side like a little smile on his face turning each page as i see him look at his notes so i'm excited refreshing to my memory in, you know we we don't have video the on the dynasty podcast so i get to i get to just read this black book and and be unseen while uh while we prep the show this this is like the dynasty show. And I'm not just talking about the podcast. Obviously, the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty show is is the dynasty show to have in your arsenal. But this episode is where you're talking about what matters most to most people in dynasty. Incoming rookies specifically fantasy running backs. I don't know what more there is to love if you're a dynasty player than the scouting and gathering of data and opinions and knowledge of the next group of guys that we're going to have for for many years. On this episode, we'll be talking about the 2024 running backs going through our top, you know, seven or eight. There's some fringe guys that I think you can also include in there. All of our rankings will be coming out this week on Super Bowl Sunday uh, as part of the Dynasty Pass. So, I mean, this is a big episode for us to kind of unveil how we feel about these prospects. And I think our approach is that the three of us did not share at all how we feel about these guys. So, I don't know. you Like, we could be on opposite ends of the spectrum, and I'm okay with that. It is funny. Uh, so, we do the same um, in the studio with uh, me, Mike, and Andy. And Mike and I were sharing some of our notes on some of these guys, and it was it was pretty pretty fantastic to see where we are in complete agreement and where we were on complete opposite sides like like you know down to even one feature like wait no I feel this about this guy he's like no I feel the exact opposite so we're it'll be fun to get into it we're not going to agree on everything here but if we do I think that's a good sign you know what I mean if if it's like yeah we all three saw the exact same thing then that thing is probably true the scouting process, which we'll talk about like how we actually do that, what we look for in a running back prospect, it, it's, it should be different for every single person. You have a different set of eyes, different set of biases that you also bring into, hey, this is what has happened to me in fantasy football with running backs. You know, Maybe you were one of those people that said, hey, I took this running back early in my drafts and it, it burned me. And so now you're like Mike and you are just wide receivers only. And <laughs> it's easy to look at running backs a certain way, but I will say, Jason, I've been doing this with you f- since 2016. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been hanging around you talking, to, but I feel like running back evaluation is kind of your. And I thought about calling it your bread and butter, but it's your bread pudding, man. Oh, right. bread pudding! Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I I do really really love running back scouting. I feel like that is 
Um, it, it's certainly more of my forte than quarterback scouting. Uh, and, and it's one of those things where I love going back and looking years and years and years of this and, and seeing, you know, where the process was right, where the process needs to be improved. But it's important to understand, like, we are not here doing NFL scouting. We are here doing fantasy football scouting. The The whole point of whether I like a guy or don't like a guy is not do I think he's a good running back. It's do I believe that this human being is going to score fantasy points in the next level. And that's a, you know, that's a very different thing. There are guys that are going to come and help an NFL team and not help you in fantasy. And then there's the opposite, <laughs> you know, guys that, that are going to be much more valuable in fantasy than, than they're probably worth um, in NFL dollars and cents. I think that's for sure. Really well said, actually, too. When you think about, you know, we're going to talk about this today, obviously, before the combine, before the NFL draft. And the NFL is going to tell us what they think of these guys in late April or, or whenever the, the draft is. Um, so I think it's really good to have, like, you know, context around a player before we get that data piece, which is huge, obviously, because it changes how much opportunity these guys get and the hit rate. But having a background about a player. And then also kind of adjusting with NFL draft, you know, information is really uh, a really key point, I think, in the scouting process. So I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because there were a lot of running backs, especially in this class that I thought to myself, like, eh, yeah, I could see him make a roster, but like, will he ever crack my fantasy lineup? Probably not. There is a lack of consensus right now, beginning of February, of who are the top four or five and what the order is, where last year it was kind of like, okay, we know Bijan's going to be at the top. Gibbs seems like he's right there, you know, two or three, depending on people's rankings. I know you were really big on Devon Achan last year. Um, it, it's in Charbonnet we liked as well. So it was kind of like there was three or four names last year. This year, before we put together this list, you know, I, I looked at mock draft databases. I even went on a couple other sites and I was like, nobody actually has a consensus one, a consensus there two, a three. Yeah, the, and the reason for that this year, if you're just taking like the 30,000-foot view, is that there's no stars. There's no superstars. I think there's some good players. I, You know, th this this class, this running back class, has gotten crapped on left, right, and center. Everywhere that I see, everywhere that I read, people are not really big on this being a great running back draft class. And for the most part, I agree. But I think the reason that we feel that way, it's not because there aren't talented players. It's that there aren't superstar prospects. There is not a Jonathan Taylor, a Bijan, a Brees. There's not a guy that you just are so over the moon about, you know, a Saquon Barkley, a Christian McCaffrey, where you're going like, that guy's going to be a sensational star. I do think by the time, I mean, obviously by the time the NFL draft comes around, there should be a little bit more consensus on who we expect to go first. I mean, I know who I think should absolutely go first and I think will go first, and we'll see by the time that rolls around if that's how it plays out. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. He uh, Okay, we'll see. We'll talk about this player in a second. Um, I don't even know I, who I do, do want to say that I know. <laughs> but it's, you do. it's so great. What a tease right now. But also I'm looking at rookie drafts right now. We just completed one that will be – in the 2024 Dynasty Pass, we have rookie mock drafts in there. We'll do one before the combine, after the combine, after the draft. And I think right now, like running backs, you might have one sneak into the end of the first round, one or two. But it's not like, you know, we've seen in years past where kind of those running backs get elevated. Now, when we find out landing spots, 
what naturally happens is running backs move up draft boards for rookie draft, uh, you know, rookie draft picks where you're like, oh, well, I need a running back really bad. And so I have the 107 and I just really want to force this in there. And we'll talk about some data later, but often just saying overdrafting running backs, if they have day three draft capital is not a good sign. It's not a good thing. Mm-mm. It's a really low hit rate. And I think we're going to have more day three running backs than really we want to uh, from this class, but we'll wait and see. I do have a question, though, because, Jason, you put this out there on X on Twitter that you spent a large chunk scouting these running backs in a completely new way. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. Tell you the people. Were, look, we are always about improving the process, it, getting down deeper into the analytics, but also we grind the film, baby. And how do you want to grind film? You want to grind film on a on a monitor? On a small monitor, on a laptop screen, on a big monitor? Not me. No, I want them in my eyeballs. I was <laughs> I got the Apple Vision Pros, baby, and I'm sitting here scouting on a whatever. Not a sponsor, but could yeah, be a sponsor. Yeah, not, not a sponsor. <laughs> Reach out if you need it. Uh, man, I don't know what the scale r- would be, like a 200-inch you know, inch perfect 4K display. You know, So I'm. it, it was really fun to watch these. Uh, these clips and whenever I was able to get, you know, my hands on like all 22 or even just like if you're watching and the, you know, the, the plays where they show you from behind the quarterback, you know, the, the, the Madden, uh, type of camera angle. Oh, that just feels, I'm like, I'm there. I'm, I'm watching this line open up and seeing, you know, how's that running back's vision? Cause I know what I see. Uh, no, it was a lot, of, it was a lot of fun. And I did, <laughs> I did genuinely spend Many many hours in the Apple Vision Pros scouting running backs, so uh, it was it was a fun new process. Jason is one of the thought leaders in the Dynasty running back film Vision Pro uh, sections of our industry. I yeah, mean, I, might, I think I I think I am the th- the I'm the only thinker right now in that <laughs> in that very specific segment. It is funny because I bet in your notes, you're going to have to look back and put a little marker and say, this is when I started watching film with the Vision Pro. This was before. Right. And see uh, see what changes. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about our approach for film and, and how we've done all that. But once again, Dynasty Pass is coming out, man. It's, it's right around the corner. We put in a lot of hard work, rookie mock draft, rookie rankings, production profiles. When we talk about these running backs, they're on the site. So if you miss something, you're going to find everything in there. Uh, ultimatedraftkit.com. Any bets, any last plugs of just what you've gotten to put in for the Dynasty Pass? Oh, man. All the things. Working on some free agency stuff. Uh, my injury tracker is live in there, so I'm, I'm also looking at uh, players coming off surgery and kind of how to, you know, what you should expect for them this year moving forward. But also a quick uh, shout-out to our writing staff. We will have all of these guys' individual profiles as an article on the site over the next you know two or three months leading up to the NFL draft as well. So if you're looking for more in-depth breakdowns on each guy, that will be on the site uh, as well. Yeah, if if you're listening to the show, then you I mean you are the you are the UDK Plus user. Uh, we launched that on Super Bowl Sunday. So if it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday while you're listening or later, go to uh, ultimatedraftkit.com and get the UDK Plus. All that information is out. As soon as Super Bowl Sunday rolls around, it is so valuable. It is so worth it. And if you get it now, you're getting a pre-order pricing because even though the UDK, the Dynasty stuff, will will start rolling out on Super Bowl Sunday, it's it's pre-order pricing all the way till June. So you're going to get it at the cheapest price. You're going to get the earliest data. 
if you're listening to this show, you want the UDK Plus, so ultimatedraftkit.com. All right, let's talk about these running back prospects. Hey, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. Before we jump in and just kind of go prospect by prospect, let's talk about what we look for at the running back position when we are scouting. So what do we look for in terms of height, weight? So we we have on our website, here's what an RB1 typically looks like, you know, 5'11", around 219, so somewhere in that range. We look for a breakout age of 20, which combines the percentage of the team's yards and touchdowns that around 20 years old. So we want somebody who's young, we want somebody who has the NFL body, and we want the production that seems to have matched it. Because I would say running back is one of the few positions that you could literally step in as a rookie and be effective for fantasy. We see every single year there's at least two top 24 running backs that are rookies. That's just been there for over a decade. So we know that you can step right into a role. You can step into stuff different than tight end or quarterback or some of the other positions. But Jason, what do you look for when scouting, there are a couple of uh, boxes you want to be checked. Yeah, the, I've I've got a I've got a bunch of boxes that I want checked. The the body size is is one of them, as you alluded to. The undersized backs don't get enough volume in the NFL. Generically speaking, it takes a special talent and a perfect location uh, for that to come through, like Devon A. Chan this last year. But um, my main things I look at when I'm scouting college players when I'm watching film. I always want to see if they win their one-on-ones. Like, I expect a guy that's going to be a good fantasy producer in the NFL, when he's in college and he's got just one guy to beat, he better beat him every time, or at least 90% of the time. When I see a guy constantly losing a one-on-one situation, mano y mano, I'm like, okay, that that's fine. You can still be an NFL player, but you're not going to be someone that's on my fantasy team. Um, so I always want to see that. I need them to catch the ball. There are always, every single year, there are so many college prospects that didn't really catch the ball much, and but they're really good for college. And it's like, well, that doesn't that doesn't work for fantasy. It really does. The top 32 running backs this year, the only guys that caught fewer than, than, than 20 catches this year were David Montgomery and Gus Bus, just crazy touchdown machines. And on the top 32, which is basically every relevant fantasy running back that's even going, you know, far down the list, they averaged 55 55 targets. So it has to be in your profile if you want to be productive. And then the the last thing that I look for, um, I want to see touchdowns. Um, It's a really weird, sticky stat for uh, you know if you, you know we we look for everything we, we age breakout uh you know uh, division across the board we look at every metric and we try to find the things that that work for some reason running backs who have large touchdown production in college that that seems to translate for the NFL so i i i like paying attention to that which is going to be really an interesting topic when we get to the the first guy in our list here yeah, I, th- I think we all know who you're talking about there with uh, 27 of those last year. But um, in addition to that, I mean, I echo a lot of that pass catching 100%. And just to speak to kind of to the one-on-one thing, it's like when I see a guy get to, you know, the linebackers or like the safeties, if, if they can't make those guys miss in college, 
they're almost certainly not making those guys miss in the pros is what kind of what I think Jason's getting to. So I like to see contact balance. If you're getting hit, are you falling forward every time? Are you breaking those tackles? Um, are you making guys miss in space? That's kind of stuff that I look for uh, because, you know, in addition to kind of the size profile where if a guy is too undersized, they probably can't be an 18 to 20 touch guy and get a goal line roll, which in fantasy is what we care about. But if they are going to be a little bit undersized, if they don't have juice in the second level, if they can't create explosive plays, that to me is a yellow to red flag, depending on the situation. So uh, largely agree with everything you guys have said so far. I look for a lot of the same things. I'll just throw in there explosive plays. Like Jason said, like you just want to see, does this guy have a second gear? Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk a lot about, you know, yards after contact, which is, I, I have a tough issue when we talk about yards before yards after contact, because the context of them is, did they have a really good offensive line that helped aid some of that? Or was their offensive line so bad, and so you end up having a Brees Hall season where you have to literally like juke every single defender and throw them all down? So that matters a lot to me. You know, you had a couple years ago, what was it, Javante just had an insane college production when it comes to force missed tackles. You saw that that translates in college, but the scheme fit also has been a little different. Um, I do want to give one quick rant because older running backs. Yeah. It's not my thing, and I and I would I would say at this time of the year, um, we need like in, in fantasy circles, you need a news cycle, you need something that gets people excited. And so, what we just had was the Senior Bowl, where you get to see some of the older college players. Now, when you guys hear a player's in a Senior Bowl, is it mean for me to say they're in the Senior Bowl because they didn't declare early and maybe they're not as good? Like, <laughs> so that's my initial reaction. That that is oftentimes over the last several years how I feel about the senior bowl um it's usually something that I I don't care too much about because there is a lot of correlation to fantasy success coming from early declares I think the last few years have been a little bit different in part because of COVID and we can't forget that like that 2020 year was lost and this is gonna still be kind of this is that final year where a lot of these players in the senior bowl they, they might have played an extra year because they kind of lost a year. Um, we saw great success last year. There's always a few, or at least one, uh, but sometimes a few real big hits from the Senior Bowl, and I pay attention to it because the people that are there watching, a lot of times there's like a clear dominator. There's someone there, the, the Cooper Cup or Debo Samuel, Puka where they Nakua. go like Puka Nakua, where it's like, every day just dominating out here and then those guys tend to translate but to your point on this episode about running backs and about age you have the microphone back sir yeah and that's all it is we talked about this the other day we're having a discussion for wide receivers it seems like the standouts uh across the board seem to translate to the nfl the running backs that are 23 24 years old I've just kind of been accumulators or been around for a while or transferred like this day and age, you know, it's not weird to see somebody like Ray Davis, who's 24 years old out of Kentucky, but he's played for three different colleges. So you just kind of have to take that in. And what I wanted to, I did a little research on senior bowl running backs. If you're a senior bowl running back and you're drafted after pick 75, so you're kind of like, uh, you know, round three, round four, round five in the NFL draft. What happens is there's this early buzz about these players because these are the only running backs we can talk about because that's all we have right now. We don't have Jonathan Brooks or anybody else running right now. We just have these guys. And so they kind of get elevated in our minds from those early senior bowl takes. 
you guys remember Kenneth Dixon? Oh right? yeah, oh yeah. He was he was a fun player to get on board with. He was a fourth round pick, but guys, he was a first round dynasty rookie pick. Okay, that, that was a that was a mistake. I mean, there's a couple of hits on this list. I went all the way back to 2016. Kareem Hunt crushed. Yeah, at, at that draft pick. But then you have a bunch of names: Kalen Balage, Keyshawn Vaughn got elevated a ton. Trey Sermon, oh, Michael that. Carter. Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's like oh. the poster boy for for don't reach in your rookie draft. <laughs> don't yeah. bring that up to Jason. Yeah. Um, oh, we had Damian Pierce do the same thing. Just another chance for me to dunk on Damian Pierce. Um, but I just want to mention that point because right now you're only getting Senior Bowl running backs that we get to talk about Marshawn Lloyd, um, and. It just kind of does that. So keep that in mind. Older running backs we don't love. And one last stat here before we jump in. Marvin Eloquin, one of our dynasty writers, gave a really good stat that the average top 24 fantasy running back, which is what we're talking about, they average 1.68 yards per team play in their in their um, kind of their breakout season. So I want to see a running back that hits a threshold of 30% or more in the dominator rating. Like that's what we talk about a lot is like, are they soaking up this team's production? Like Jason said, do they have these touchdown totals? Do they have these yardage totals? And can they translate? So we'll talk about some of these guys and the way they do it. But I'm going to tease it before we talk about our first running back. We're going to take a break. All right. I promised we'd get into it. The first guy we're going to talk about is Blake Corum Sr. from Michigan, who last year was supposed to declare. He was on the early list, of, and then he went back to school. And Blake Corum is an interesting prospect because when you think of college football in 2023, year before, he's one of the faces of college football. Like He dominated. You saw him in the national championship game against Washington. He was the offensive MVP. And Blake Corum has accumulated a lot of a lot of uh a lot of touches 675 career attempts so productions there great college university you know it, it's high level stuff that you can look at he is a bit older he's 23 years old and the biggest bugaboo is that he is currently uh listed at 58 now whenever we talk about these measurables who knows what they're really going to weigh in or what his real height is but since 1999, there's only been seven running backs, 5'8 or shorter drafted, and most of them have not been hits, okay? So early on, I look at this and I ask myself when I went to draft prospects and go, other than this big productive season that he had last year, 27 touchdowns on the ground, as a prospect, guys, like, there's a lot of red flags. Am, am I crazy? Who wants to jump in first? I will jump in first because when I watched him, I could only think of the wise words of Billy Madison, mm. who said, Blake Corum, more like Blake Borum. Dude was so boring. I did not love Blake Corum. Um, this is... If this is the number one prospect, if this is the number one drafted guy in the NFL, I don't think I will be very excited for his collegiate, you know, for his NFL fantasy production. Um, when I watched him, just film wise, there was nothing great, nothing special. There was nothing bad. I, I didn't watch him and think this guy sucks. Never did I think that. Um, he was 
he was okay. He was okay. He just wasn't like there was when I was watching. You know, I, my notes are like nothing bad, but nothing great. Uh, I can't figure out anything that makes him special at all. That's going to translate at the next level in, in a in a way that gives me extreme confidence. Um, you know, obviously, if he's drafted in the first round, which I don't think any running back will be drafted in the first round this year, uh, but if he is, then then that will um, add to guaranteed volume and and things that do translate for fantasy. But I was pretty disappointed. I, I do love the production profile. Like I said, I do look for touchdowns in college from the running back. Twenty seven touchdowns this year, eighteen the year before. That's just rushing touchdowns. Um, certainly very productive. But film-wise, I was bored out of my mind uh, watching Blake Borum, and I I am not in love. I really did not. I did not get excited uh, for the first prospect that I scouted here. <laughs> Official nickname uh, on the site. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things, I think, with Blake Borum where it is kind of this film versus analytics, you know, when you talk about his profile debate because the touchdowns, you can't ignore right i mean literally like scoring touchdowns every time he touches the ball it seemed like is crazy and it's because he had that goal line role it was so valuable at michigan but i'm with you jason i mean my first note and jason has the black book okay i'm, I'm old school i just read on a, a notepad but my first note was just not a lot of wild plays on tape like he'll get you three four five yards here and there but like i don't see a lot of missed tackles i don't see a lot of explosive plays not necessarily a prolific pass catcher like i, I agree that he's okay uh, but just nothing great that i see so you add in the size concerns and i think when you kind of think about how the general public views the college football season everybody knows the name blake quorum so my fear is that in dynasty rookie drafts when he potentially does go maybe late round two early round three of the nfl draft people are just gonna just automatically be like oh blake quorum like i know him from college and i think his rookie pick uh adp potentially could be uh, elevated as a result so I agree. I mean, not a lot that I loved on tape uh, with Blake Corum uh, as well. So I I'm kind of with you, Jason. In my notes, you know, I, I, I wrote that linebackers consistently took really bad angles on him. And then part of that is just his size and the way that you can't see him, you know, behind the offensive line. And that was another big note is this offensive line mauled people. Like this was a great offensive line. Bets, I'm really sorry, but I watched the Penn State game. Were you at Oof. that game? Uh, which one? Penn State, Michigan. Well, I obviously <laughs> I I'm meant just, what year <laughs> this past year. Uh, I was not at that game. Usually you're at most Penn State games, but he went for 145 and two. And my notes the entire time were just like, I feel like the lanes for him were just wide open. And that he more, I would say he more slips tackles than breaks them. Like he's not just going to run over somebody the way that, you know, you look like a Marshawn Lynch. He, he slips them. And then my last little note here is just he just doesn't have an extra gear. And so he was caught from behind more, but with so many possessions inside the five, like, yeah, he, he got a ton of those touchdowns. So is he a productive college back? Yes. I mean, he hits a lot of the thresholds. We talked about a 33% dominator rating. If he gets, uh, you know, day two draft capital, we still got to consider that. But in rookie drafts, I think he's trending more towards like a late second round pick that you are still just kind of guessing what is the usage and how much activities he's going to have his rookie year. So it's, it's hard for me to get excited and say, I'm all in on this player. Yeah, and I think in that, um, which you'll be able to see in the Dynasty Pass this Sunday, we just did a rookie mock that will be in there. And I think he was maybe the third or fourth running back taken, which might surprise a lot of people. But 
I think that's kind of how we view him entering the combine cycle of the draft season and then the NFL draft. Jason, any any last thoughts on Corum? Uh, I think we can do better. I think we can do better. I think we will do better. This this is not a class that I have loved going through. I've still I've still got more running backs to to go through. Where, but usually when I get through the top seven eight running backs, I've seen the important ones. You know, it's rare that I get to running back twelve in my scouting order because I'm trying to scout from perceived best, uh, you know, to worst. And it's it's rare that when I get to a late running back, I find a diamond in the rough that I really believe in. It happens sometimes. But um, so far, I, I mean, really, there's like two running backs I like in this class. And that's not great. <laughs> and just for each one of these running backs, I'll get I'll finish them off by giving a little draft capital size skill comparison. So Daryl Henderson, your boy, Darnell Anderson, was taken in the third round, very similar size uh, production Zach Moss showed up as a comp Jason, which makes me understand why he might <laughs> yeah, be boring. Yeah. So um anyway. He's very Zach Moss. Interesting names. All right. Next name that I think the group is a little bit more excited about is Trey Benson from Florida State. He is a red shirt junior, and I need to make that clear because in 2020, Bets, you, you can tell me how bad this is, but in 2020, apparently he had a terrible knee injury that he tore his ACL, his MCL his lateral meniscus, his medial meniscus, and a tendon in his hamstring all at once. Yeah, not great. Explain that to me. (laughs) Uh, I mean, just a pretty obviously complex ACL injury with other stuff. And we know- Now, that was in a horrific car accident, right? That's the only way you can get that that level of an injury? Uh, No, apparently you can do it on the football field. Um, Amazing. But, you know, when you consider that too, and then you understand, okay, yeah, the next season- wasn't great obviously at Oregon and then he transfers and you see him and this is what we talk about all the time right is like running backs in year two or year three off the ACL are actually back healthy and you saw that when he got to Florida State so that's why he was at Oregon and then uh, transferred to Florida State and I need to give him a shout out he's a birthday buddy of mine we have the same birthday July Aww. 23rd I know I'm so, oh, so, you automatically for, think he's I'm so happy for him um I'll I'll hop in here with Trey Benson um he's my favorite running back by far in the in this class I actually really liked his tape. Um, while I don't think he is a super-duper star, I don't think there is one of those in this draft class, I really liked it. I, You know, he, he made extra yards on every play. He was very well-rounded. I felt like he had good contact balance. Uh, he's got a nice – he's still only 21. He's he's 21.6 years old. You know, he's six foot 220-ish. Uh, we'll see when when he when he weighs in, but he's got the size, the speed, uh, the weight, the age that I like. He has the film that I liked. Um, I thought he had, um, you know, just some some really nice cuts, some nice vision. Um, everything that I watched, I was impressed with not blown away by but he looked to me like someone that will work in the NFL that will make his own that that's something I'm I I guess we didn't really talk about that I I alluded to it when I talked about the one-on-ones but in college I'm looking at these backs that are making the yards for themselves not just like oh man they the the lanes opened up and they were able to run through it fast this is like if you gave that same ball on that same play to a different human being, would he have gotten more yards or less yards? And I feel like Benson often impressed me where it was like 
he got yards someone else would not have got in that situation. So I was uh, I was pretty impressed. And one of the things that really matters, and you find out several years into an NFL career, um, but we, I, at least don't have the access and the knowledge and the insight into human beings' work ethics. I mean, they're all they're all, you know, working hard in college football. But there are some people that have insane work ethics, and that's why they succeed. Christian McCaffrey has, uh, you know, a legendary insane work ethic. Um, I don't know any of these college guys' work ethic. But when I heard and found out about that LCL, MCL, all CLs um, injury, and then I watch him doing this, it's probably like that. That injury was thought at the time to be potentially career ending. And now he's gotten back to the point where he's looking awesome and amazing. And I just, I don't think that can happen without a great work ethic. And so I love that he's come back from this. Obviously, that might be a concern for longevity of a career, but running backs are so disposable. You're going to throw them away after the first contract, probably, anyways. So. I, I really like that he had that injury, came back, was this strong. Um, so I'm I'm very pro Trey, Trey Benson. He's my running back one in this class. You almost said Trey Boo Boo, didn't you? I did I not, it. but uh, that's, <laughs> I you know, I will now. I, I'll give you a couple of notes real quick because one of the things I just kept seeing is that it keeps his feet moving. Jason was talking about the extra yardage. Like I just saw on certain runs, especially like outside zone, where it's just like, man, your feet keep moving in a direction where you should be hit or you should be taken down. And so you're getting an extra three or four yards. That was good. Um, I do think he rounds off. This is just my notes. He rounds off his cuts more than he should. Like he's not like an electric cutter, um, like just, you know, like LaShawn McCoy or something like he's, he kind of rounds it off and his receiving. I wouldn't say was like as fluid as I wanted. So I, I, I like Trey Benson. He has the NFL body that I'm looking for. Um, the comps I got were on the high end DeMarco Murray, so he has the body. He's able to like actually be an all-around back. Um, Brian Robinson is a medium comp, and my low-end one was TJ Yeldon, which uh, he did have a brief moment for fantasy, but after three or four years, it was done. But Betts, any thoughts on Benson? Yeah, I mean, I echo, I think, a decent amount of what you guys are saying. I don't know that I'm quite as high. Um, to me, he's a guy who will fit in a one-cut system, where I saw him kind of when he had those like outside zones and he could cut up field quickly and accelerate. He was great, and we talked about being able to create explosive plays. Uh, almost 15% of his carries last year went for 10-plus yards. You like to see that. Of course, he has that ability to get, get up uh, upfield. Um, but for me, like when I saw him have to slow down at the line of scrimmage, he kind of struggled to me to actually like pick up his acceleration again. So I'm okay with him. Like I don't necessarily love him. I don't think he's uh, incredible, but I think there's a lot of good things on tape. And, you know, you mentioned the the receiving wasn't incredible. They didn't really ask him to run, like, complex routes or anything like that, obviously. But when he got the opportunity, he was reliable. Caught 32 of 39 targets over the last two years. So he at least can give you that out of the backfield on a check down or, you know, something like that. So um, I'm okay with Trey Benson. It sounds like, though, I'm a little bit lower in general uh, than you guys. But I will agree that the size profile, the breakout age is exactly what you look for um, from college running backs. As of this recording... I I think he's most likely to be taken as the first running back in the NFL draft. Now I'm not like 75, 80% confidence, but I, I think I'm like at like 60, 65% that he's the top 
one for the NFL. I, I think by the yeah, I do too. I, I think by the time um the NFL draft comes, that will be the first name. I, I think it's between I think it's personally between two guys uh for for the number one pick, but we'll uh we'll see. This next prospect is my personal favorite in this class. It's Jonathan Brooks of Texas. He's a sophomore and he redshirted in twenty twenty one. He was behind Bijan, behind Roshan Johnson and then this year, he only had 11 games played. He tore his right ACL. So there is a, okay, what did you see on film? And then what, where is he at his recovering process? But he's super young, 20.6 years old. Um, you know, he's six foot 207. So he's fine height-wise. He's not a bruiser. But I just like Jonathan Brooks's film a lot. He looks so smooth. And my note was he runs with effortless light feet, the exact opposite of Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco's just like, stomping the ground i feel like brooks is one of those players that was just like wow he just gliding gliding barely touching so i liked his film but bets do we know anything on his injury recovery so his uh, injury occurred in november this past year uh i was listening to actually an interview with him about three weeks ago and you guys may be shocked to hear this, but it sounded like he was wait, wait, wait. Dare I say, ahead of schedule. Oh, yes. Oh, now he's, thank he's not in the best shape of his life quite that yet. That confirms but everything I want. <laughs> it sounds like that's coming. Um, so that obviously is kind of a, I, th- I would say, yellow flag on his profile because the shelf life is so short on these guys. And if you're like, okay, is Brooks playing in week one or week five or, we, you know, whatever. Um, and he's also learning the NFL and that kind of thing. Then you could see him get off to a slow start in his career. But I will say I'm with Kyle. This is my favorite running back in the class. Just looking at his profile nice. and, and how he moves. Like this is what I want for my fantasy running back is a guy that, you know, Aaron Jones esque can give you 16 ish carries, but also four or five targets in the receiving game on a consistent basis. That's what I saw with Jonathan Brooks. So smooth. Um, I like the fact that he can, you know, make guys miss in space. I like the fact that he is decisive. His vision to me was awesome. So I'm actually pretty excited about Jonathan Brooks. Usually when guys take three years to break out, I'm a little hesitant. But when you put context around it and say, oh, that guy played behind Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, um, it makes a little bit more sense. So uh, young, he's only 20 years old right now. Breakout age of 19.1 is awesome. Um, this is a running back that I'm I'm pretty excited about, it, and we'll see where he goes in the NFL draft. So this is this is the second one. I said there's really two running backs that I like in this class. This is the second one. He certainly would not be someone I would like more than Benson. And the reason, from a fantasy football perspective only, is the ACL. That's it. It sucks. Um, Film-wise, just as good. I, I like everything. You know, when I started watching him, I was like, he's good. He's not great. But he's good. He's above average in just about everything. Um, you know, my notes were kind of funny where it was like, he's fast, but he's not super fast. You know, he's not one of those guys that's going to go run 4-3. Um, you know, he's he's tough, but he's not super tough. He's not, you know, moving a giant pile. You know, he's like he's he's above average across the board, but I don't think he was sensational anywhere I don't you know that's what I was that's what I'm always so excited about every rookie running back draft class and and there wasn't anyone who I thought was just superstar sensational in almost any one facet anywhere I did though the more I watched Jonathan Brooks the more I was like every play is a win every play every single play is a win for him 
And so I he he kept moving up and up and up. I started kind of lukewarm on him. I was like, okay, he's okay. Okay, he's good. He might be really good. And and the more I watched, the more I got excited. But the problem with the ACL is not it it, it goes further than just oh darn, he's injured. This will affect his NFL draft capital. An NFL team might be a little bit more hesitant or wait a little longer uh, or gamble a little bit more, and then the other teams try to gamble, and then he drops in the draft to a place where now you don't have the financial and draft capital investment into the player to make sure that as soon as he's back from the ACL, he's a big part of your plans. And so now if his career start, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's wacky to be like, oh, this November ACL could potentially, I'm not saying it will. I hope it won't. I think he's talented enough to overcome it, but it has the potential to start his draft capital and career in a slow place where the team who drafts him obviously has to have something else ready to go. They're not going to start the season with him more than likely uh, as the as the primary running back. And so now he's starting as a backup with lower draft capital. And it's like, will that career trajectory get to where he is great for fantasy? So that's why he can't be my number one guy, because I think there's a lot of flags there uh, due to the late ACL. But I really, really liked the 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 tape, and I th I agree with you guys. The smoothness, the 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 gliding, the uh, I th I thought he had good hands. He he did everything that I look for. Didn't blow me away, but does every he checked every single box enough. Bets you've done research on ACL performance, you know, for it, how it takes them a year or two, and I feel like. It's just one of those picks that even if you, in year one, he's probably not a player you can count on in your rookie drafts that you're like, oh, he's going to be contributor right away. But I, yeah, I just like him as a, we know that the running back position has a, such a short shelf life, but man, if you, if you knew you had a player in year two, you know, or second half of, of year one that could make an impact, I think he's my favorite like impact player, but obviously landing spot matters a ton. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with Notre Dame's Audric Estime. I took French for eight years, people. Um, and man, Estime is one of those guys that he runs angry on the field. He looks like he could beat me up. He probably could. And Absolutely could. There's no question about that. He's young. Everybody in this list could beat you up, Kyle. Like Hold everybody. Let me, Buck, let me confirm. Well, who's the tiniest Even Bucky guy? Bucky Irving got? can beat Bucky you up. Bucky Irving's going to yep. whoop you like crazy. <laughs> Oh man, I just I'm gonna get dunked on for all this. Um 20.4 years old. He, you know, he profiles like a really tough runner, but I will say I think he jukes more than he should for someone who's his size and his weight. Um he also shifts down a lot when he's running, where I'm like, oh, I feel like you need to go to the next gear and you're shifting down. You know, there's certain running backs when they cut, you're like, oh, you lost a ton of speed here. So a lot of production. I mean, 18 rushing touchdowns. That's the all-time Notre Dame rushing record for rushing touchdowns in a season. So, like the production this final year, and he's still young. So, uh, what are your notes, Jason, on Estime? 
I estimate that I don't like him. <laughs> um, oh. I, I mean, that that's going too far to say I don't like him. He's he's got a role. He's got a place in the NFL. I think you know, the, being a a bigger body back, there's always a need for them big, thick boys. And I do prefer, you know, I I I want my running backs to be 210 pounds plus. Sometimes they can be a little bit two plus and I think I that's kind of how he came across to me was like if if he were to prepare for the combine for the NFL and lose some pounds I would be a little bit happier he looked he looked too thick and oh Jason yeah sorry <laughs> I, I think he'll have a role but he's not going to run away from NFL defenders um in in my opinion and so I'm I'm not excited about him personally I think he'll you know maybe be a a goal line back. Um, I don't think he's going to come in and be a workhorse or be given the total uh, utilization that's going to be really valuable for fantasy. Interesting. Yeah, he's. I don't know if you guys saw this on tape. This man loves the high knees, like hurdle to try to break a tackle. Um, yes, yeah, used it. Jumps. Used it all the time. But um, my notes are, you know, a power back. Obviously, he's got the size to do that. The lateral agility to me is not great. I could see that being an issue, obviously, at the next level. Um, didn't see him create a ton of yards on his own, personally, um, are, are my notes on him. And I don't know if it's the fact that he was wearing number seven late in his career or what, but like I kind of saw a Leonard Fournette type where, and I'm mm -hmm. not talking about like peak Lenny, like later in his career, Lenny, where it was like, okay, like he's good. It's not great. I actually I think, I think that's a decent comp. Like, yeah, he, I, he can go out there, he can, he can get you you know, a couple yards at a time and take a beating and keep on going, but inefficient. I think he'll, I think yes. in the NFL, he will be an inefficient runner. Uh, I saw, I saw a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, with draft capital, that matters a lot, but let's say he goes third, fourth, fifth round, somewhere, somewhere around there. It's like Jason said, like, is there a goal line role? Maybe. Is he, could he be a solid backup and like get some short yardage stuff? Sure. But he doesn't have the pass catching profile. My my comp was Niall Davis, who had a oh, hot minute. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Niall. That's, that's actually back. A, I like that comp. I like. I don't know that he's got the speed that Niall Davis has, um, but uh, yeah, that that's interesting. Although I do take major major issue with the way you just casually lumped third, fourth, and fifth rounds together. <laughs> a third round pick for a running back is phenomenal. That's what you want. That's a day two selection. A fourth round pick is garbage. Is I mean, there a difference between the ninety sixth pick and the hundred and hundredth pick? There is a yes, huge days. It means everything, Kyle. It means everything. <laughs> so I will not stand for that. The way that the, the NFL teams value their top three picks versus the way that they devalue their you know, fifth round and later picks, uh, the, the, those those change outcomes for fantasy running backs. I was only using that because Niall Davis was taking 96 overall in the third round. But let's move on to a big boy. And I'm talking the biggest of them. It's Braylon Allen of Wisconsin. Um, he's super young. And, and I had to do some digging of like, why is this guy so young? Well, he re reclassified. He graduated a year early from high school. So that's part of it, but he's only 20.1 years old and yet 6'2", 245. This is a big boy with the youngest breakout age 
of this group. I mean, that is super young, 17.6 for his breakout age. Um, he couldn't buy a pack of smokes, and he's breaking out. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. And in a college that has produced running backs at the NFL level for years and years and years, it's always been kind of a, a running back factory there. Um, beyond just being a big boy, he does run upright, which you see with taller running backs, right? He's 6'2", so you don't love that. Um, and so when you look at what he is good at and how that trans- translates to fantasy – you're never going to see him, I think, be a every down back for this team. Like You're going to see him be more in a role where he's a thumper in short yardage. He's Brandon Jacobs, who was a monster for a short while, had some huge touchdown seasons for the Giants. And I think the draft capital is going to end up being fourth round. But um, yeah, what is your all's thoughts on Braylon Allen? I mean, I am. Dude... A... Yeah, you go, go first, Betts. I, I want to hear your takes. Well, I was just gonna say this guy's a monster, man. Like you, when you look at him, and what's funny is I had a video that was kind of like popped up as like the next to play in my list of things for Braylon Allen, and the suggestion was actually a high school <laughs> a highlight reel, which was hilarious because you look at him from when he was a high school kid to when he stepped on campus at Wisconsin, the dude like doubled in size, like clearly hit the weight room, put on a ton of muscle and mass. He is massive, and that worked in college. But he is your classic, to me, kind of like you need him. You need the quarterback under center. You need the power running scheme to make it work. In his final season, they switched schemes and had him run out of shotgun a ton. I don't know if you guys saw that switch throughout the film uh, in his career. And the efficiency declined a little bit. He didn't look as explosive to me. Didn't look as natural. So um, typically not the profile of back that I love for fantasy where, again, he can't catch the football, caught 49 of 60 targets, but it's all check down stuff. It's not... Uh, real routes. It's not plays designed to go to him in the passing game, stuff like that. So to me at the NFL level profiles as kind of your classic early down uh, bruiser who hopefully can get goal line work. And if you take him, you know, you're hoping he gets, you know, he has to kind of luck box his way into those touchdowns or that role, so to speak. So don't love betting on those guys, but historically just, if you bet on, if if you just close your eyes and don't watch the tape and you just bet on young, early, early production, power five school, that stuff generally works out, so we'll see. But like you said, I'm not sure that the draft capital will be there. So that's a big knock, obviously. I think he will be drafted higher than you guys think. Um, I think the draft capital will be there for Braylon Allen because NFL teams, the, the, you know, a lot of times they're looking for they're looking for something, and if they are looking for a goal line back, if they're looking for a big 240 pound back, um. This this is the guy. I mean, he is a he's a you know a big young um, athlete, and I I think that you know he's just got a couple of those things where you're not going to find another one. So teams will be forced to take this. That's one. a good point. Um, when I watched him at first, I was he was actually the first running back I scouted. When I was looking at a lot of lists, he was some people's running back one. And so I was pretty pessimistic watching. I, uh, you know, the the Ohio State game. I think my final note was sucked all game. Um, <laughs> I mean, he fumbled t- twice, and, and yeah, that was rough. Uh, obviously, a really good Ohio State uh, front. So I think that kind of skewed my watching of Braylon Allen as I watched Buffalo and Illinois and Nebraska, and um, you know, but I went back. I watched a little bit more. 
um, since he was the first guy that I scouted and got off to a, a bad game when I first watched. And there are some things that at least make me go, I, I can see a path for fantasy football success. Like, I can see the path for him. Um, when you are that big and that young, if he gets drafted well, he'll have touchdown opportunities. He can also catch the ball really well. He has really good hands. Now, ironically, I think he's – I look for two different things with, with pass catching, um, the the hands and the, the fluidity, like the transition. And I think he's really good – he's got really good hands and really bad transitions. I feel like every time he caught the ball, it just – he can – he you throw it to him, he's going to catch it. But then it's like he needs to, like, regroup, turn his hips – stop playing his foot and then start running it's like oh no you're tackled by then uh that's what I, I i kept seeing so i i i will also say he has incredible top speed when he gets into the second level like if he breaks through he's a freight train you know he's he, you know you see that with with derrick henry's and and guys where it's like you know when you're 240 plus pounds and you get moving you, that's gonna be a big play and so my note on him, the, like, the 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 biggest takeaway I have is, you know, I've, I've got my final kind of quick snippet was big, strong, tough, great in the second level, don't think he gets there often in the NFL. I, I don't think he will break through to the second level in the NFL. I am overly a little bit pessimistic on his outlook, but yet, if he if he's able to, he's got just so many really special attributes, his age, his weight, his top end speed and his hands. I mean, if, if you told me just those four things, I'd be like, I am so super in yes. on that human being. If you've got good hands, good top speed, good weight and good age, like those things hit, they just, they hit so often that I really want to be in on him. But when I watched the tape, I was just not sure that he was strong enough and and in the in the the short yardage stuff to break past to where the the other stuff happens but because he's still so young I'm not going to close the book on Braylon Allen like he, he he could his outcome at the highest level if you're just reigning like which one of these guys could be a fantasy like could have the path for a league winning type of season I could see Braylon Allen having that. Um, I don't think he will, but most of these other guys, I just can't even see it. I can't write the 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 narrative of how a true breakout happens for fantasy. I can easily write the that narrative for Braylon Allen. I think the point that you're making is you have to weigh five or six different things. Well, we don't know the draft capital, so we're going to have to weigh that. And the scheme fit, like you said, there could be a team that says, this is the only back in this class that is like this, that is this big, that we can use a certain way, and it could work. He also could go to a team and just sit behind somebody else because he's not a traditional back, and you know they just move on. So yes, you will find him. I've seen him, like Jason said, number one in some people's rankings, because if you look at the breakout age, his current age, you look at the production, you go, okay, well, that all makes sense. Why is this guy not number one? And that's why we kind of take a holistic approach. We look at three or four different things and admit, I don't know. I don't know this guy. He's 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 just different. 
Yeah. yeah um, he'll be, he's probably going to be one of the, sorry to cut you off, Kyle. I think one of the most landing spot dependent guys for me and, and draft couple, obviously, but like if he goes to the scheme where you could see them using him as their power back, it makes sense. So uh, I'm going to kind of leave that open-ended until we get to April. All right. So let's talk. We got a couple more backs here. This is our first small back. Remember last year's class, we came on here, Jason called them itty bitty baby boys and like, oh, they're, you know, sub 200 pounds. This is our first one we've talked about that's below the 200 pound level. It's Bucky Irving of Oregon. So he transferred from Minnesota to Oregon and was pretty productive for a team that was right there in the mix in college football. Um, solid breakout age, but 5'10, 195 makes him a little bit smaller. But what I saw on film is he hits the hole actually kind of hard for somebody who's smaller. His arms are somewhat frantic when he runs. Like they're almost like cartoonish. Like he waves them when he runs with his other hand. But he has the all-around skill set. I look for I mean 56 receptions in this final year. I mean, that's that's incredible. And the comp I kept getting was James Cook-esque or Tajay Spears. Two players that, you know, recent comps, but when you combine all those things, you combine people that are explosive and I think that he he can be used in a way where he's not just a scat back. Um, I liked Bucky Irving. I like what I saw on film. I also temper my expectations because Oregon players have always been my bugaboo because it's just such a different scheme and translating that to the NFL is just so different. So um, I'll say that I liked him, but I want to hear y'all's thoughts. So Betts, you go first. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest strength to me is the pass catching ability led all running backs this past year at the FBS level in both targets and catches. So to me, if he is going to carve out a role for fantasy, that's probably where it's going to have to come from, especially when you consider the size 5'10, 195. And we'll see what that actually is at the combine when they weigh in. But uh, we know size correlates well to fantasy production because of opportunity. So this is a guy that you can take a shot on. I think somewhere probably in the second to early third, depending on draft capital of your rookie draft, where you kind of hope he gets that, you know, eight to 10 carries plus three to four targets a game roll and hope he's explosive with them. To me, that's the really the only path. So um, I wasn't incredibly impressed with the tape as a runner personally, uh, but anytime a running back can catch the football 50 plus times, especially in college, it is uh, very eye-opening. So that's encouraging at least, but overall I'm not a huge fan of, of him as a runner. Yeah, I'm pretty much out. Um, what? Yeah, sorry. I there, there, There's a path for him to be fantasy relevant, just like Beth said, as a pass catcher. He's very, very James White um, to me. James White was the running back eight in 2018. He's very same height weight type of player a great pass catcher um and James White was super relevant but that was his fifth year in the NFL you know and and it took 123 targets and 87 receptions that year so something like that could happen where he's just put into a place where he's used as a pass catcher last year I really liked Devon Achan but I was pretty much out because I just thought it's not going to be able to translate until the NFL draft came and the Miami Dolphins the perfect match for him drafted him with draft capital I'm like I am super in because I saw the path for what his skill set does to to match I don't I don't know that there like I don't know that there is a spot where immediately the day of the NFL draft or the day after the NFL draft I can go I know they're going to use him in the right way I know they're going to give him enough volume my notes on him I mean they're 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 
like right off the my my notes say looks tiny right off the bat. Speedy looks itsy bitsy. Has some good moves and cuts, but won't get volume in the NFL. Says he's 195 pounds. Yeah, in your bra. That the, you know, those are the type of notes <laughs> that that I've got when I watched. Poor Bucky. Sorry, Bucky. <laughs> um, you know when I watched he. He can hit the hole hard, but he doesn't hit it with, you know, ex- you know, the mass and acceleration. You need to do something with it. He didn't break arm tackles. Me like Devon Achan, he was small, but like he broke tackles. He didn't just avoid tackles, you know, Bucky Irving, this guy can run away from guys. He can make guys miss. He can get, you know, uh, have those type of broken tackles, but he didn't run through tackles. I saw a guy push him down once. Um, like not a joke. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I just, I don't think the volume will translate in the NFL for enough fantasy success. I want them points. I want them opportunities. I don't think he gets enough opportunities. Now the pass catching is totally legit. Um, and that is a path. So he has a path to fantasy relevance. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to probably bet against it based on, my perceived future opportunities given yes and with players that's what we talked about you give a high-end comp of i see this in this player so i I mentioned james cook but the low end is names like justice hill or uh mark walton who could forget uh the great mark Mark walton so oh oh my gosh that's that's me that's a name i was not expecting to hear that's how do your mother for me Hey, footy for the year uh by the way devon achan you were talking about him i was watching Jaden daniels film uh, when Devon Achan was there, he was the best player on the field. Like Achan <laughs> killed it in that game that I was watching. So Bucky Irving's interesting. I have a couple more names here. Will Shipley from Clemson. Um, his production is difficult to kind of understand because in 2022, it was great all-around game. He was actually an All-American if if you look at all-purpose and uh, return specialist. So he has that in his game. Um, and then this past year, he was kind of leapt on the depth chart and then he had a concussion and knee injury which held him out of the bowl game so it was like you have to kind of factor all that stuff in this is what i said about will shipley is that he can make things work in the swing game as a pass catcher he's kind of like a jack of all trades but master of none and i think he sets up his blockers well i liked his film against duke where they were getting destroyed he could still run on the ground he still catches passes all of that to say this is probably someone who's going to end up as a, he was a good college player at a good program in Clemson and maybe be a dependable special teams, um, you know, kind of like depth back, but it's hard for me to see his fantasy future apart from injuries on a depth chart. So Betts, what do you think about Shipley? Yeah. Uh, I wish I could be the guy that's like super excited about it and just be different than you, Kyle, but I'm with you. Um, it took six or seven games before, like I finally saw a play where I was like, Oh, like that was pretty nice. It's a lot of compiling, not a lot of explosiveness, just I think just an average NFL, like you said, potential backup, maybe change of pace type guy. Uh I just don't see it. And again, I think he is kind of one of those guys, like you said, that probably will be like, Oh yeah, I remember him from Clemson. He was pretty good. Yeah, sure, I'll take him in the third round of my rookie draft and hope something happens. I just don't see it personally in the NFL. Are you saying that he's gonna sell insurance in about four years? I mean, he could be doing something else. No, he'll he, he'll be playing special teams. He he there you he's go. A, he, I think he'll be a and that's, uh, and that's fine. I think he'll be a valuable NFL teammate 
um, you, you know, it's funny when, when I was researching and I saw, depending on which, um, scouting service you were paying attention to, he was, um, in some, the number one running back recruit, uh, in, in, the, yeah. in that class going to Clemson. So this isn't a, you know, th this is a, a guy who was productive, came in as the, you know, as one of, if not the best running back prospect from high school. I went and watched his high school film. I just like when when you've got you know the number one prospect you want to go see uh, you know guys dominate. And I don't think he was ever touched. He looked much faster in high school. I didn't think his I didn't think he was very fast. You know not not that he was like lumbering, but I was really hoping he had more speed um, than he did. And he's well rounded. I do love his hands. I mean he, he can catch the ball phenomenally. So. Um, I'll be really, really interested where he goes in the NFL draft. Um, you know, like, like all these guys, but I don't think he will go very high. Um, and I'm also very interested to see what he weighs right now. I've seen a range online between 200 and 210 pounds. And I think that is, you know, while that, that sounds so petty and simple, it's, it's a huge difference, you know. If you're if you're a 210 pound back that can go out there and catch the ball, um, you're you're big enough to move guys. Um, you could be used, you know, in goal line packages. When you're 200 pounds, you're just you're not used in that way um, on the NFL field. I mean, look at you know, look at James Cook. Um, you know, he's the 200 pound type, and they get down around the goal line, they pull him out. Um, I so I I was I was pretty uninspired by Will Shipley. Uh, I know that Mike, I think, liked him a little bit more than I did, or at least we just we saw things kind of differently. Like he he thought he was really fast. I thought he was too slow. Um, so that's one of those things where you you know you 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 watch the the film and you could see the same player in the same game two different ways from two different sets of eyes. These are where combine metrics are going to be very valuable. I really wish we had access to the miles per hour data uh, that is tracked now in college game performance because that is so much more valuable than running a 40 in your underwear. Um, but uh, I, I didn't think he was anything special. I don't think he'll get the draft capital to be great, uh, but he was a great pass catcher. Yeah, right now I think fourth, fifth round, but you know, capable change of pace backup, which in a dynasty roster, you want to roster those people, but you're also not counting on them. Um, let's close up here. Uh, we have some more running backs that we'll have and we'll talk about uh, in the dynasty pass, but Ray Davis, 24 years old, super old, old man Davis, geriatric Davis, he's old. Um, Marshawn Lloyd of USC is going to be another name that I think people are like, why didn't you talk about him? We will have rookie profile articles out on him. He was in the senior bowl. And then Dylan Johnson of Washington is another older player who happened to get on a run with Washington team that made it all the way to the college football finals. So these are just players that I think are fine, but I think will lack the draft capital. Any, any last notes you want to give on those players guys or you, you good? I mean, I'll just jump in real quick on Marshawn Lloyd. I, I, w I did kind of like him actually like watching him play to me. He just has, I think some good juice and burst uh, and was able to create yards and looked, it looked the part to me. So he's an interesting player. A lot of fumbling issues, big time uh, concern. He needs to clean that up, obviously. And as you mentioned, draft capital is a concern. 
uh, on top of that. So um, of the guys that you mentioned, he's the one that I'd be, and I'm going to use this term loosely, most quote-unquote excited about, but not that excited about it, if that makes sense. But I, I did like some of his tape. For me, uh, for me, it, w- uh, it would be Ray Smith. Or, I'm sorry, Ray Davis. Um, Ray Davis, he's sold. Um, he's just sold. And that's really hard to get behind. I mean, obviously, we're, we're talking about this guy after um, a lot of other running backs. So, the, you know, a lot of other running backs we didn't even like. Um, so this isn't, you know, full endorsement. But he's got a well-rounded profile. Um, he showed enough speed. He's got the size I look for. Uh, the per- the production the conference I mean he 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 checks a lot of boxes and when I watched him I don't know I thought he was pretty good um not great but pretty good and he's just he's 24 years old man it, it, so there was um a research article many years ago I don't know if the if the age has changed um but you know we were looking at like the age cliff and peak values and like what what is what's the life cycle of each position and basically running backs peak their best season their best season of their career is usually age 24 and I was like wait he's not he lost it he doesn't even get that year in the NFL so it's like you know he's going to turn 25 on the NFL field as a rookie um yeah, so it, it is it is hard. Obviously, a bunch of different colleges. Um, maybe there are reasons and excuses for that, but uh, I I think Grandpa Davis is okay. I think he he could be, um, he could be a a, a decent all purpose back in the NFL. Something to keep in mind. We talked about this with Mike. Is that if you want to look at this year's class and think of guys that maybe just didn't knock it out of the park this past year and insert them in this class. So like Kendry Miller is three years younger than Ray Davis. And we would say Kendry Miller is a player that you could probably try to acquire with a draft pick and say, Hey, if I put Kendry Miller in this year's draft class, I might put him as, you know, RB two, RB three, however you feel about him. And I think we were all kind of excited. And so therefore you could use that draft pick that you have in your rookie draft and say, you know what? The two Oh eight, the 205, whatever you have, like I'll, I'll go for Kendry Miller over, you know, a running back that I'm not that excited about. So think about that with these guys, their age, their production, combine them together. And uh, this isn't the only group that's young. I mean, there's young running backs in the NFL. So next week we will be talking about quarterbacks, which is my personal favorite position to scout. And we'll go through all of the positions over the next month. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com.